Good afternoon. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. I'm loving your show and tell us coming through. Just one, Joe says, in my cupboard is our grandmother's flapper's dress, cream with bright embroidery. We later found her wedding photo with her wearing it as her wedding dress and later her wedding invitation, 1927. So just wait uh, until 10 to 5. We've got a couple of fantastic ones for you, so you'll have to stay listening. But first up, negotiations, coalition negotiations continuing. It has been reported National has agreed with policy deals with both ACT and New Zealand First. New Zealand First leader Winston Peters has pushed back, though, saying it was an assumption to say the parties had agreed what policies they would pursue in the yet coming term of Parliament. But Luxon wouldn't say whether it was likely a government could be formed by the end of the week. Now, ex-David Seymour earlier said the goal of the negotiations is for all parties to have an equal footing in the government, which could result in a never-before-seen coalition being on the horizon, says uh, David Seymour. So many are now asking, gosh, is it too long? Or how long is too long? With us, Michael Swanson, a PhD candidate in politics at the University of Otago. He's looked over this. Michael, kia ora. Hi, Wallace. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. You did a very interesting article on Newsroom on this very issue, that that, that idea of uh, how long is too long. Well, is this taking too long? Or is it taking as long as it'll take? It's probably the latter. Um, we do seem to be sort of dealing with this sort of, uh, I guess, a general air of impatience was kind of the point of the, the piece that I wrote. Um, but it is really important that any agreement stands, any agreement they make, stands the test of time. Um, you know, this is supposed to last them three years, and they don't want to be coming back on a regular basis when issues pop up. That's going to hurt them, and it's going to hurt us actually as well if, if the government keeps coming back and circling back to issues that should have been sorted out in the first place. Fair point. So, how do we compare to overseas negotiations? Take, for example, take Netherlands elections in twenty twenty one. Yes, the, the Netherlands, so 2020, 2021, it took 10 months for them to uh, settle on a, par- on a, an, on a government. Uh, that included eight different parties involved in the uh, agreement, uh, three in coalition, five in support, but it is at the extreme end of things. That's got to be pointed out, that it is at the extreme end. Um, but it isn't uncommon in, in vast chunks of Europe to take six to eight weeks to cobble together a coalition. Um, we have taken our our sort of system from Europe, so it's not surprising that we're starting to see more of this uh, as we get into these kinds of negotiations. Um, Ireland in 2020 took five months. Scotland uh, in 2021, the SNP had a minority, and they needed only the Greens to get across the line, and it took three months. So it's it's more common than we would like to believe. Mm. Okay, ten months. Five months, three months, and then over to New Zealand. George, let's bring you in. I mean, I'm actually, I agree with you, Michael. I'm personally quite comfortable with with the length of time, and I think I'd rather them get it right. What I do find a little bit underwhelming is Luxon coming out this afternoon and saying they've, they've done a deal with both parties, but not being able to tell us when they will announce the formation of the new government. To me, that was just a bit of a comms fail more than anything else. Right. It's interesting, Michael. Yes, I think one of the really uh, sort of strange 
oddities of this type of negotiation has been this kind of daily update of it's fine, everything's going well, <laughs> don't worry, we've got it under control. And it's been, it's been odd uh, to have no sort of uh, update, that, that sort of air gap. And, and as a result, he's kind of been overtaken by the likes of David Seymour, who has been more willing to talk about at least the mechanics of it, maybe not the detail, but what's going on, who's, who's where doing what mm. at what time. Yeah, that's right. David Seymour has kind of been, has any James, been stopping at the airports and uh, giving us at least a, a snippet or two. I think we've had Winston. How many times have we had Winston slightly undercut the public statements by the others? No, that's not quite right. No, we haven't. No, we haven't. Count those up. What are you saying? Well, it's, it's, what I would say is, I, Michael, I see your Dutch elections and I raise you Belgium in 2018. 592 days. Yes, yeah, that was that was twenty ten eleven. They they just took they it was it blew everyone out of the water. So it's a um, uh, luckily it is an anomaly. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, they need to have a package the whole parties agree on. Am I right? Uh, that's what it seems that they're aiming for this time around. Uh, possibly similar in some ways to 1996, maybe even a step further. Mm. 1996, uh, 1996 had a quite a thorough agreement, whereas 2017 was less detailed. Mm. It was sort of overarching policy spaces, and it. Uh, I think we're going to find something far more detailed, far more thorough uh, to get the parties through. Um, what's included in that is going to be extremely interesting to see. Georgie? Well, I, I mean, from being a staff member in the 2017 to 2020 mm. coalition government, the lack of detail in that agreement was a constant source of of a headache. Um, yeah. And every, both parties would sort of lean back on it and there were discussions around interpretation and what was meant at the time and who said what and the intent behind XYZ, the timing which money was going to pay for A, B or C. So, again, that's partly why I'm comfortable with the length of time. However, if the detail doesn't match up and we do see something similarly um, vague, then I think that's going to be a very poor start to the national-led government's term. Right. And I guess, too, I mean, these so-named sticking points, Michael, I mean, we're, we're all pondering on what that might be. But, of course, there are, uh, there are those who will look at, for example, Titiriti, there's the foreign bias ta- tax. Could, could, could these big issues, and actually some fundamental issues like treaty and a referendum on them, could they be those things holding up uh, a coalition agreement? I think they absolutely are. I think the, that the treaty and the the treaty in particular has been an interesting one because it seems that that's been the area that um, Winston Peters and David Seymour have almost bonded over. Uh, they've they've found a, a common area that they can they can really target. So that's that's going to be one area that's going to be interesting to see the outcome. Uh, foreign buyers is has always been it's been effectively the reason for New Zealand First's existence uh, since 1996 was was where they can buy, uh, who can buy and where they can buy. Uh, the other one that's been mentioned in a few areas is uh, Winston Peters' interest in the Attorney General role. So okay. that's going to be an interesting one uh, because he has quite a history with the judiciary and the serious fraud office and. <laughs> Sounds like he yeah. wants to have some sort of involvement in each of those areas. 
Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how they play out. So I guess, Michael, no one really knows uh, when, uh, I mean, how long is a piece of string, right? So it could be in a day or two. It actually could be the end of the week, right? Uh, Exactly. It could be tomorrow. It could be next week. It could be early December at this rate. Uh, We just don't know. And that's part of that uh, bit that we mentioned before about we just don't quite know what's happening, where with who and when. So, yes, um, the the timing is is okay, but it's that lack of transparency and that lack of communication mm. that's that's really causing the issues. So, do you? How do you find this, James? Are you just um, uh, do you agree with Michael here, who just says, "Look, just just enjoy the." political silence. Well, a lot of people are actually are enjoying the political silence as well, so that there is that side of it. I think from a, legal, from a legal point of view, sometimes vague drafting is your friend, and sometimes prescriptive how, how drafting, so? because then it makes you fall back on the relationship between the parties, so that can be something that sort of makes you think about the philosophies of how you align, but take on board George's point about mm. prescriptive is when it comes to right. politics, prescriptive is the better. So... Um, yeah, I don't know. I understand that they they haven't got to talking about ministers either yet. That's sort of like the last horse trade yeah. that comes into being. So that that speaks to it being longer rather than shorter. Michael, nice to have you on the program. Kia ora. No worries. Thank you very much. That's Michael Swanson, PhD candidate in politics at Otago uh, University. We have uh, Georgina Stiliano and James Elliott with me uh, this afternoon. Nice to have you along. On a Monday. Now, many will be able to relate to this. You go to a mall, it's coming into the Christmas season, duck in for a couple of gifts, a bite to eat, you go to leave, and it takes you half an hour to get round the corner. Well, what about hours and hours? Because that's what happened at Westfield Newmarket. Customers were forced to wait at least three hours Saturday afternoon. A trail of cars snaking around the car park, crawling along by just a few metres every hour. One woman even had to wee in the car. Such was the wait. Another said they felt they might have a panic attack. Congestion has been a major issue of recent in the in the Auckland city area with the move towards a congestion charge gaining momentum with us is Mark Knopf Thomas the chief executive of the New Market Business Association Mark kia ora kia ora Wallace uh, and, and by the way checkpoint will be looking at this very issue as well so do stay listening into checkpoint but i mean what a shocker mark i mean have you seen this before in Newmarket? No, we haven't. I think Saturday really was a bit of an anomaly. The weather was absolutely awful. Um, I was actually myself driving out south and I noticed how the northbound traffic was gridlocked for lots and lots of k's all the way heading out. Um, The weather was awful. Everyone got in their cars. It's the beginning really of the Christmas shopping season and people are holding pre-Black Friday sales. And what happened was the whole roading network kind of got very congested all over Auckland. And then the on-ramps, off-ramps got congested, then the feeder roads got congested, and it really sort of the domino effect back all the way into shopping centres. As sadly, it's what happened on Saturday for us, which wasn't great. And we're really apologetic to the customers who were impacted by this. Is there a number on how many people uh, were in the Newmarket area on that day? I think on Saturday we probably had upwards of 70,000 in the precinct. Okay. I ask that because uh, anyone, Mark, who knows Newmarket knows it's not a large precinct, is it, necessarily? 
No, it's it's a well, it's a metropolitan town centre in terms of like how how we're viewed by council and various others. So uh, we've got you know we've got around for us we represent around three thousand businesses uh, and and property owners who in the new market area. So it's it's not a big geographic area, but it's certainly got quite a bit of punch in terms of the number of businesses operating here. I'm just asking this because uh, it may have well been a perfect storm, but how. Uh, unacceptable is it to be waiting for three hours? I mean, and not to say quite frightening, and not to say also from a productive and business point of view, um, not a good look either, is it? No, I mean nobody wants to be stuck in traffic, and certainly not for that amount of time. It's it's really not 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 a great outcome for anybody, really. But I think you know the the reality is that. With Westfield, they had opened up all the gates. People weren't being charged for their parking, but there was nowhere for the cars to go because the side streets, the feeder streets, the on-ramps, the off-ramps were also very congested, so there was just nowhere for anyone to go. And I think, to be fair, for any popular retail town centre destination like the likes of us or Albany, Monaco, Sylvia Park, St Luke's, from time to time, they get very congested, especially at this time of year. But Saturday was an extraordinary event and something we don't want to happen again. Well, you're in the area, James. How do you feel about this? It's no secret that it doesn't... Here's the thing. It doesn't take much for the roads in Auckland to get jammed. Drizzle, bit of rain, next minute. Yeah, absolutely. And I was looking at this from a legal point of view as to whether it met the threshold for false imprisonment. Uh, of these drivers in, the, in their yeah, cars. <laughs> Maybe that'd be an avenue, avenue to look at. But as you say, the, the only thing was moving is the buck passing, isn't it? Westfield says not our problem, it's, it's Auckland Transport's problem, it's not Auckland Transport's problem, it's the number of motorists, it's the weather, it's all these well, things. Well, but look at the roads that go yeah. out, and here's the point, look at the roads that go out, go out of Newmarket, they're quite small, that's the thing. So when you get those feeder roads blocked, as they often do, where do you go? Yeah, well, I blame Henry Ford. It was his idea, the combustible engine. <laughs> Had it not been for him, All we right. end up where we are now. Okay, so one of our panellists um, blames Henry Ford. Uh, Georgina. Well, I hate car parking buildings, full stop. It's a bit of a Christchurch earthquake oh, hangover right. of mine. So it's genuinely my idea of hell on earth. Um, but I think one of the criticisms has been about uh, staff at the mall and perhaps they could have done a bit more. I think if you've got women and, you know, screaming babies, any one of us who has children knows what it's like to be locked in car with one of those creatures. Um, I think there could have probably been a little bit more one-on-one support or maybe, and also the emissions. That's the first thing that came to my mind was just, can you imagine the the, the, the air quality in that area um, as a result of these cars just idling for hours and hours? Like it's, it's, it's a bit of a mess. Well, it's, it's echoed in a text, Mark. Uh, Wallace, this new market debacle is a disgrace. A friend of ours wet her pants in her car. This is not funny. So, what, 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 I understand it's uh, one out of the box and maybe a perfect storm and extraordinary, but how would you ensure, or how would Westfield or perhaps AT Mark ensure that this um, wouldn't happen again? You know, three hours in a car type of thing. Yeah. There's a few things. I mean, geographically, Newmarket is a sort of a major connector to the east and the south from the city, right? So that's, that's the thing. It's always been a major transport hub for a whole lot of reasons. That goes way back to, you know, pre-European times, actually, when, when Māori would, would bring their waka up from the Waitabata to the Monaco Harbour and come over this way. Um, but the reality is that we're always going to have a bit of congestion. There are things in play. We're, we're working with ATOC 
to see what we can do or what they can do to improve the phasing of lights when that oh, yes. this does happen from time to time. But also, I mean, reality is Auckland is a very congested city. It's, it's really you know, problematic for lots of reasons. Auckland Transport, and I mean, they do have a big role to play in this, unlocking the city, and they are doing things. So there are new busways coming online. They are looking at improving the rail network, the rail corridors. The city rail link's going to come on stream in a couple of years. So there is some hope on the horizon, and there's going to have to be a really honest conversation with Aucklanders about their behaviours and how they, what modes of transport they choose to use. What does that honest most- conversation look like, Mark? Well, I think for most international cities, comparable sort of lifestyle to us, and if you look at Melbourne and Sydney, although they're significantly bigger population-wise, you wouldn't go shopping on the weekend in Sydney and take your car. You'd, you'd jump on a, a bus or a train, or in Melbourne, you'd jump on a tram. Uh, and that is that is what the conversation Aucklanders are going to have to have. Uh, so basically, they're going to bring in some congestion charging, potentially, for parts of the city. And really, Aucklanders have to have a long heart to think, what is the best option for me to go from home to go shopping on a Saturday or whatever else? But Auckland Transport absolutely needs to deliver a system which is reliable, efficient, affordable, and all of those things so it becomes like a no-brainer to jump on a bus or a train. Yeah, I think reliability is the key point. So for me, I have to be in a class, in front of a class of students to teach at 8.30 yeah. in the morning. I can't be late. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I have been driving and I've been monitoring the public transport options for the last year I've been teaching and they're simply not reliable enough to, to, for me. You, yeah. Can I ask where you come in from? From the eastern suburbs, from Glen Innes direction. Leave earlier? Uh, no. No, there's still been hold-ups where you would not no. have been. Uh, you know, it's not, so if you're teaching, you can't be late. No. That just doesn't work, yeah. Yeah, uh, a lot of people talking about congestion in Auckland here, Mark. I've just driven, because it's raining quite heavily in Auckland, I've just driven from West Auckland to an appointment on Karangahapi Road. It's taken me almost two hours. This is unbelievable. So you support a congestion charge, Mark? I think I do. I mean, you know, the reality is it's really good for the city's productivity if we're all stuck in traffic. All those mm. people, those tradies, courier drivers trying to get around the city to do their work. If the people who don't need to take their cars don't take their cars, even if they make some better choices, even a couple of times a week, it's going to take some of the pressure off the rest of the city, the rest of the transport network. And, you know, we have that situation every time there's a school holiday in Auckland. The traffic flies. It's amazing. So I think, you know, we all need to maybe consider what we're doing on a, on a more mm. regular basis about what our options are. All right, Mark, kia ora. appreciate your time this afternoon. Uh, that's Thanks. Mark Knopf-Thomas, also sometime panellist, by the way. But he's the uh, chief executive of the New Market Business Association. Checkpoint will also be uh, touching this issue uh, with someone else. Quite a big deal for all Aucklanders. And indeed, George, Georgie, actually for many people who live in the city, congestion is a real hassle. You've just heard here James, who just needs a surety being a teacher. Well, I've literally, we, we moved house last year and I was quite determined to start using, taking the bus to work. But in, in Wellington, there is not only no benefit time-wise, um, there's no bus lane, so you still get stuck coming through the city, but they just didn't show up. And after a couple of times of sitting in the rain, being frankly quite miffed, I thought, sod it, I'm going to go home and get my car. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, another one here. Malcolm says, "Good heavens! Even the groceries took me ninety minutes at Royal Oak on Saturday. Usually, only takes about twenty minutes." So, yeah, congestion stories coming through thick and fast there. The panel are uh, NZ National. Completely different. No, just for a, a couple of minutes here. Uh, I'm through with hugs and kisses. Writes Adrian 
Childs in The Guardian. Handshakes, they're the only answer, who says that after a few experiences of misplaced hugs, well, he wrote <laughs> that it's better, <laughs> it's better to keep greetings to a nice, strong handshake. Uh, many of us uh, are hugging people. And many of us are not. And it is hard to know sometimes where those boundaries lie. Everyday Health, a US-based site, says ask permission before hugging someone unless you are already on intimate terms with that person. And I thought, well, I'll go on the panel on this. Georgie, um, where do you stand on hugs and kisses or indeed Mm. uh, just a good handshake? Well, I was raised by a Greek father with a lot of Greek Cypriot family, so I have no uh, normal perception of personal space. (laughs) (laughs) I am 100% a hugger and have probably made some people feel awkward. Um, You know, they could tell me that. They could could tell me, I don't think I'll start asking, can I hug you? That seems rather strange. But it's the 21st century now. Yeah, um, I'm probably getting a little bit behind. I'm okay to admit that. So, so when you go back and you know you have the next time you have a big reunion, your wider Greek Fano there, uh, you Georgie Soliano would not go to say, "Uncle, can I hug you?" That would be they would just do a double take and pretend they hadn't heard and squeeze my cheeks even harder. <laughs> James, I think asking for permission is just weird. That, that's no, that's, that's weird. very uncomfortable. That's, that's really awkward. I think you either you either get in there for the hug or but you can do a combination. It's just, it's just asking permission. Isn't it's it? the it's comp- just, com- hey, combination. Hey, Handshake, I, hand round the shoulder. Can I shoulder. give you a hug, please? Yeah. What's no, about I think that? if you have to ask, then don't hug. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, but I think I, often the handshake combination, the handshake plus the sort of partial hug, left hand on the shoulder, slightly leaning in. It's very masculine. I you feel like that's that's, that's, yeah, a, that's that's a male thing. Yeah, or grab the elbow. Bill Clinton okay. was a big fan of you grab that's the right. elbow. That's a very Bill Clinton thing. Yeah. Okay, so you, you you think James is nothing wrong uh, with the hug? You're you're, you're you're not into what Adrian is trying to sort of, sort of say here. Yeah, no, I'm okay, yeah. and I think asking permission would just be awkward. All right. Yeah. Um, now you forget about those of us with company cars. I have to drive. I can't trade my vehicle for salary adjustment. I'm in Wellington. It's not fun driving, but there is no alternative in Wellington. Uh, another one here. Why is it a thing in New Zealand that women get hugged and kissed, but not men? Mm-hmm. Do you know the answer to that? Don't know the answer to that. No, I don't either. You're on the panel, RNZ National. It's 4.30. It's time for headlines very soon. But very shortly, we have the song Whisperer for you today. And that is, you give me the lyrics and we give you the song. Just a reminder, here are the lyrics. Maybe tonight... By the fire, all alone, you and I, nothing around but the sound of my heart and your sighs. Goodness, could be anything, couldn't it? Text me 2101. It's time for headlines.